We have been in a, in a series called Turn Over a New Leaf uh, from the beginning of the year. And what we're doing is walking through the, the letter of First Peter and uh, using that as a way of refocusing as the year started, refocusing what does it mean to be a Christian? How do we walk in that newness of life that we have that's offered to us? And, and the model of First Peter is a great way to, to sort of walk through that. It began by, by reminding us that we, even though we didn't deserve a relationship, that it was, it was, uh, we were made right with God through Jesus Christ. That it's through Him we have the opportunity to, to put behind our past, to rise above our mistakes. Not because we deserve it, but because He earned it for us. That He offers us this, re- this relationship Excuse me, I have a cold and now I've got a um, cough drop and I've got a lot of extra spit going on in here. So <laughs> it's a good thing you guys are sitting back a little way. So. Um, but that, that relationship he, he earned for us uh, allows us, allows us to, to rise above our past. And that in, part of that is he includes us in his plans to save the world. That he talked about building his church and, and that we are his living stones. We are his hands and feet. The church is not a building. The church is us. We are the, the stones that make up the church. And then last week we, we got into how, how this is supposed to start affecting our lives. Which is a big thing the, the, the modern church has missed out on. We, we have so much focused on appearance. We have so much of, uh, focused on the compartmentalization of our lives. The, there's the church person, there's the, there's the home person, there's the work life, there's the, the social life. And that's not, that's not a biblical model of living at all. In fact, what Jesus says is, I need you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That it's, it's the way we act everywhere is important. And the, the demonstration of us having that new life in us comes from the way we express that in relationships. And so last week we began talking about how those relationships were supposed to look. And if you remember, the, the key words were, honoring or the elevating of another person other than yourself. We're good at honoring ourselves. We need to honor others. And that relationships that that value in the kingdom is a race to the bottom, not a race to the top. That it's who can who can serve more. It's a model of mutual submission. That if you want to win your life, you must first lose it. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you must first become the, the least. Well, we're going to continue that. It, it also had to do with our relationship with one another. If we're the church, if we're the living stones, then the way we treat one another is important. Well, we're going to, we're going to continue that discussion. And I need you to remember that as he's talking to this audience, he's talking to a, a first, <clears throat> first century audience that, that is having a hard time with this Christian message because they have believed they've given their lives to a Savior. They have heard the good news and their lives are still filled with pain and sorrow and hurt and turmoil. 
It's, it's a question that not only plagued the first century church, but it's still asked today. Where is God in, in the midst of our pain? Why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? That, that is an argument that has been raging in the church for a, a lot of times. And, and for, for a good number of folks, they sort of camp over here and say, well, I am sorry, I cannot worship a God who does not care about me enough to make sure I'm happy. And so we live over here. And all of us have lived there at one time or another. Hopefully we're growing from that, but all of us have lived here. It's about us. As long as I get what I want, then God is good. But if God ever hurts my feelings, pushes me out, tells me to do something I don't feel like doing, stretches me in any way, I'm not no fanatic, and I didn't believe in a God anyway, right? That's where a lot of people have lived. Well, Peter is writing to an audience trying to say, that's not Christianity. That's self-worship. What you're really saying is you are the king of the universe. What you're really saying is your happiness exceeds all other things in the universe. And that so the greatest good is your good. Well, that's not the case. So let's take a look at this. As you can imagine, it's going to be sort of challenging to us. All right. And this is a law. This is a very long section. I am not going to be able to walk through this verse by verse, but we are going to, we're going to take it in chunks and sort of get a feel for it, okay? We're going to be beginning in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Okay. Now, he's just finished this discussion of how we should treat one another, that we should do it with respect and honor. And he, he, he continues now. Who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good, right? If you're trying your best to be nice to other people, if you, if you love other people, it's going to take away that need to revenge you, all right? But it's not going to take it all away. But even if you suffer for what is, for what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if some... As Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. I'm going to stop there just to, to a couple things I want to call your attention to. Verse 14, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, that's one of those big pills that modern Christianity does not want to swallow. Right? You mean I could get in trouble for doing something good? You mean, you mean, even by following God's will, there might be times where I'm led through a tribulation or through a trial. Well, let me ask you, have you ever read the scripture? Have you heard, ever heard the stories of Jesus? The one guy who, who could have claimed to have done everything exactly the way he, he was supposed to. And I know this is hard for us to understand, but it led to suffering. It led to persecution. It led to uncomfortableness. It, it led to people hating him for no other reason than that he stood in the way of their selfish interests. You can suffer for doing good. Okay? 
Anybody there this morning? You can suffer for doing good. I remember, uh, remember Little House on the Prairie? You remember that show? And, and Mrs. Olson? Remember Miss Olson? There was one, one show where they wanted to buy a bell for the church. And uh, there was a big division in the town of whether Paul was going to do it and, or, or Mr. Olson. Mrs. Olson wanted to buy a big fancy bell from back east because that's the way good Christians did it and somebody else wanted Yeah. You know, anyway, throughout the movie, there was this whole big, huge fight over the bell. And finally, at the end of it, I can't remember what the pastor's name was, but he stood in there and he's like, I just wanted to do something good for the church. I didn't mean to cause division in the whole town. Sometimes doing good, being nice, trying to love other people, sometimes it causes problems, doesn't it? (laughs) Thank you. Sometimes it causes problems in our life. Yes. You are not always going to be happy as a Christian. Your happiness is not God's greatest concern. Your growth your maturity is God's greatest concern. One of, the, one of the concepts we introduced last week was Peter says, you are living as aliens and foreigners in the land. And that was literally true, but what he was going at was a spiritual truth. that Now that you belong to the kingdom of heaven, you're going to be different from the world. You, you're still a part of the world, but you, you now have a different agenda. You now have a different understanding. You are aliens and foreigners to the worldly way. The worldly way says, I'm number one. If it doesn't help me, I don't do it. Step on others to get what I need to get what I want. The kingdom of heaven says, if you want to be the greatest, you must be the least. If you want to win your life, you must first lose it. He says, you're aliens and strangers. You're not going to match what's going on out there. But, verse 15, uh, instead you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, what does it say? Always be willing to explain it. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Okay, I'm going to read through the rest of this. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for our sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death and he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago while God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. So then Christ, so then since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. 
You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. But remember, they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from a variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised when you are going through fiery trials. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name for the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. As I said, I'm not going to be able to walk you all through this, but I want I want to highlight some things for you. Okay, number one, suffering is a part of life. Okay, suffering is a part of life. You have a choice. You can suffer for doing good or you can suffer, you can live the consequences of the bad things you've done. Okay. You can either suffer for doing good or you can suffer the consequences for the things you've done. You're going to suffer. Some of it is self-inflicted. Some of it is world-inflicted. What the scriptures are saying is as a Christian, as an alien and foreigner in this land, we are called not to suffer the consequences of our actions because we've cashed in that old ticket. We no longer want to be a part of the parties and wickedness and idolatry and all the other things that it listed there. We're no longer there. We've cashed that in. We've said it's not my happiness. It's not my pursuit of of getting thrills and all that kind of stuff. It's about other people. It's about God. It's about making that priority switch. So we've cashed that in. So we are called to suffer not for being drunk, the wages of sin that come from all those kind of living. And all of you know what I mean. We have all suffered the consequences of our actions, right? Some of them are more long-lasting than others. Some of them we're able to sweep under the rug and nobody knows about. Some of us have had some very public failures 
that we're ashamed of, none of them are better than the others. They all are shorter than what we're supposed to be doing. But he says, if you're going to suffer, and you are, so if you're going to suffer, there's no honor in suffering for the things you did wrong or for being a jerk. That was the David Payne translation of that whole thing of don't, don't get your nose into other people's business and all that other kind of stuff. It's, you don't get any reward for doing that. You get a reward for suffering for doing good. Why? Because Christ is our example. Jesus Christ, who did nothing wrong, suffered for us. He becomes a pattern that we're supposed to, to follow. That instead of seeking his own happiness, instead of seeking his own way, you can read this in Philippians chapter 2, that he was willing to give up those things for the sake of others. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross for others. He didn't deserve that. He wasn't suffering for what he did. He was suffering because of his love for God. And what Peter is saying is if you want, if you want to fully move in as an, as a resident in the kingdom of heaven, that becomes your goal. In order to live for Christ, you must die for it to yourself. In order to live for Christ, you must die for yourself. Okay? In the middle section there, uh, right be, at the end of chapter 3, as I said, I'm going to highlight some stuff for you. Um, verse 15 talked about whenever someone asks you about the hope you have, be ready with an answer. Okay, remember we're the living stones. We're the... Uh, we're the, we're the ones that build the church. We're the hands and feet of God. Okay, if you're going around suffering for doing bad, if you're still living that old life, no one's going to care what. In fact, you become part of the problem. You're the one that, that they're saying, hey, that's why I don't go to church. Look at him. Look at her. If that's what God does, I don't want a part of it, right? But we're supposed to, we're supposed to be living contagious stones. We're supposed to be who the church builds on. I know a lot of us get upset when we talk about evangelism. I'm not an evangelist. I haven't memorized the scriptures. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. How would I do? Here's how you do it. Who's the first mover here? He says, live your life in such a way that people are going to come up and ask you what's going on. You don't have to knock on their door. You don't have to go up and push the book in their face. You do not have to. Part of being aliens and foreigners, it means we're different, but we don't have to be weird. Okay? I'm sort of tired of weird Christians. You're giving us all bad names. I'm tired of of the... the pattern we get in movies and the media and... and, Some of us are just normal people that are just trying to live a different life, you know? Being Christian does not mean you have to be weird. You don't have to change your whole vocabulary. Every other word doesn't have to be, glory, hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, brother, sister, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But you don't have to be weird. You don't have to have the Jesus fish on the back of your car. You don't have to have rainbow clothing on you don't 
You don't have to be weird. In fact, that's going to make people run from you. That's part of the disconnect in our society is so many weird Christians because if you can't live it, then fake it. And the easier way to fake it is how we talk and, and, and dress, right? It's a lot harder to live it out than it is to dress it and put it on our bumper stickers and everything else. He says, if you really want to be contagious, then live your life in a way that other people are going to come and ask you. That's evangelism. That's what we're called to do. That you're at work. And like we read last week, when your boss is being a jerk to you and he's chewing you out, even when you did something right, but you're doing it right and you don't get upset and then your coworkers are watching, they're going, what? dude, what happened? That guy was a jerk to you. I would have given him the finger and kicked him in the whatever and then walked out. What's up with that? How come you didn't do that? Well, before we answer, we need to read the second part of it. It says, be ready with an answer, but be generous and gentle. When they open that door to you, don't kick it in with the gates of hell. You know, it's it's not like, oh, I finally got somebody. Like you're catching a fish and... If you set the hook too hard, you're going to rip it out of their mouth. If you've ever been fly fishing, you got to let that fly sort of dangle in the water. And when they come up and bump it, you don't want to jerk it out of their mouth. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. Hey, what's up with you? Oh, well, sit down. Let me show you here. If you read here, number one, you are a sinner. That's right here. And because of that, you're going to hell. <laughs> but because I'm better than you, I'm not. So, and you just start forcing it. That's not what you're supposed to. He says, whenever they come to you, whenever they open that door, be gentle with them. Start a conversation. See, what, what he's talking about is not religion, what we've thought the church is about. It's not about religion. It's about a life. It's a lifestyle. Live your way, live your life in a way that's going to be attractive to people. Even in your answers, your ultimate good is, your ultimate calling is to share God with others. So everything you say, everything you think, everything you do, every way you act, not only in church, but in the workplace, at home, school, on the lake, wherever you are, you do it as if you're doing it to God. You start a conversation with people. Hey, what's up with that? How come you didn't? Oh, you know, I've I just been trying to, I, I've learned some lessons about I, I need to watch my temper. Maybe that's all that said. Then later on they said, well, how did you get that? I need that because I lose my temper all the time. Well, I've been doing a Bible study, but I, I just read some. You don't have to flash the, the book at them. This isn't a six gun. <laughs> that does more damage than, than anything else. We're not gunfighters. We're living stones. We're messengers. He says, always be ready with an answer. I'm just going to touch on this. As we're going through right before channel, uh, chapter 4, there's a section about, and this is confusing as you're reading it, and I'm not going to be able to do justice for it, but remember when we talked about the living stones, there was some wordplay going on. Peter, whose name means rock, and then rocks of building a church, and then living rocks, and there was some wordplay going on. That happens a lot of time in Bible. There's some wordplay going on here about water. 
And what he's, what he's doing is he's, he's showing us where God w- met us and where he took us to. The, in, in, the, in Genesis, in, in the flood, remember Noah and the flood? You remember that story. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Noah and the flood, that, that he flooded the earth and there was eight people that survived. At that point, water was used as a punishment, right? That was the wrath of God pouring out on people for the wrong they had done. What it does, it goes along with the law. If you read Paul, he's always saying the law, you, you thought the law was going to save you, but it really condemned you. But through Jesus Christ, that God was able to turn his wrath from us. Christ suffered what we should have suffered. So now that water that at one point destroyed the world, is now used as a symbol for rebirth in baptism. It's a sign of the resurrection. It's what Jesus has done for us. He's changed us from a sentence of death to a sentence of life. Okay? We could go a lot farther on that, but I don't have time. But there's some wordplay going on there about water. But what it has to do with is God God met you where you were, and and it, it wasn't good. If you got what you deserved from God, you wouldn't be happy. He gives us what we don't deserve, okay? Then he goes on to say, hey, buy into the new life. Give up what you used to do, okay? Hear this. So many of you, you've heard the message of the good news that God loves you no matter what, right? That's not where you're supposed to live, okay? That's not where you're supposed to live. Even the prodigal son, as we read the sign, the, the story of the prodigal son, even while the son was living in the pig pen, stinking of pigs and eating their food, the father loved him. But the father wanted him to come home, right? The father wanted him to wash off, to get the stink off of him, to put on the robe and to become his son again. Yes, God loves you even in the midst of what you're doing wrong. But that's not where he wants you to live. You need to put aside. The word repent means you're walking in this direction. You need to stop, turn around, and go the complete opposite way. If you have a problem with drinking, three-two beer isn't the answer. Beer rather than alcohol or beer rather than hard liquor is not the answer. If you have a problem with drinking, you need to turn the other way and start another place. If you have a problem with gambling, lottery's okay and all that kind of, that's not the answer. You see how we're always trying to rationalize things? If you have a problem with with your relationships, if you are having an affair, well, just seeing her on weekends rather than every day is not the answer. If you're going to live the new life, you have to become a resident of the new place of the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry, I told you I'm spitting. You need to move in fully. And he says, sometimes your friends aren't going to like it. Sometimes they're going to call you names. Sometimes they're going to make fun of you. And he says, count that as a joy because you have just moved into esteemed company when that happens. You have become now like Jesus Christ. He says, if you get to the point where you are suffering for Jesus Christ, if you suffer physical pain for Jesus Christ, your your salvation is well at hand. 
because you can't play the game and suffer physically for God. That's why in third world countries like Korea and some of these other, that's why Christianity is booming because you can't play the religious game there. If, if you don't, if you're not willing to throw in all in on it, you're, you don't play the game because it can cost you your life. It can cost you your family. It can cost you your career. It can cost you everything. Part of the problem with Christianity in the, in the United States is it doesn't cost us anything so we can fake it. He's saying, if you, if you really want this lifestyle, if you really want to move in and become as alien, a stranger, you got to throw all in. Okay. And here, I'm going to wrap this up right here. If you want a verse to remember, okay, let's see. I'm going to have a hard time finding it now. Where is it? Uh, Chapter 4, verse 8. Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other. For love, what does it say? You're going to screw up. There are going to be times when you do not live the life you want. There are going to be times where you're going to be a bad advertisement for Jesus Christ in the kingdom. There are going to be times where your temper gets the best of you. There are going to be times where even though you wanted to become a full resident of heaven, you were not able to live that out. There are going to be times when you're still growing and you're still working on it and God's still shaping you and still molding you. But what he says is make your number one aim to love one another because that covers a multitude of sins. The other way of saying it is God judges us not on our results, but on our motivation. There are going to be times when we are trying that we still fail. We're not judged on our results. We're, we're judged on our motivation. Above all else, love one another. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, for your love. We thank you for the change that you gave for us. We thank you for the, the fact that you were willing to suffer and die for us. That you didn't give up. That you didn't go halfway that you didn't do what was easy. And God, that's, that's what we feel like we're called to. And that's, that's a hard place to go, and that's a hard place to live. We need your strength. We need you to change us. We need your spirit to move us. But we want to go all in with that relationship. We, we, we not only want to live the religion, we don't want to be religious. We want to, we want to be residents of the kingdom of heaven. We want to be living stones of your church. Strengthen us, move us, create us, mold us, make us into that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.